0: Welcome, everyone! Happy New Year! 2021 has begun! Woo! In the there, yeah, that was Anthony. Boys, I, I just spoiled our first guest of the year. But you're probably wondering who's Anthony. Um, more specifically, my first guest of 2021 is Anthony Kordorak of Anthony's Animation Talk. Say hi, Anthony.
1: No. <laughs> hey, guys. You, that's gonna be your, your shortest podcast ever is like, say hi. No. Well, thanks for
0: listening. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And also seriousness, um, for those who, who don't know, um, in fact, this will be the first question we, we, we will be asking. Anthony, would you mind t- t- telling the lovely viewers who you are and what you do both professionally and unprofessionally?
1: Well... You know, I'm from I'm from Land Down Under. G'day, mate. How's I it going? come from
0: Land um, Down Under.
1: God, please. We hear that all the time. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's it, it, it really annoying, but that's okay. I won't blame you for that one. Um, so, essentially, I'm a YouTuber. I run Anthony's Animation Talk, where I'm undertaking the massive task of uh, doing commentaries for every single Looney Tunes in order. One per day, of which uh, my good friend Eli is, um, has been on a few of them, and I'm unfortunately, he's having fun. Uh, but you know, I also make a few other channels. Also, run an online comic book shop. I'm a stay at dad, so yeah, I do a fair bit. But yeah, I'm having having fun with this.
0: That's cool. And you know, considering all that that stuff that you're you're doing, I think it's it's really funny when people end, end up turning their hobby. I'm not going to say like to, to turn their hobbies into like a way of living, but almost it, it's something that what you like doing more than any uh, other job ends up becoming a job.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh, m- mind you, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I... I- I made it my mission to never quote unquote work again. Cause I, I, I did the full-time job thing for nearly 10 years insurance company plus, you know, a lot of other things, you know, and I hate it. I really did. Yes. But it's, it's, it's one thing to whinge about, uh, you know, about hating what you do and saying, Oh, I hate this, I hate this. I hate this. And it's another thing to, you know, say, okay, fine. I, <laughs> I don't like this what am I gonna do about it? What are the what are the steps can I take to change uh change things around and do what I wanna do in life and my, my dream was to work from home, which I think that dream was forced on a lot of people in twenty twenty. sure it was pre pandemic, all this stuff. But my goal was to work from home. Um also be a stay-at-home dad because my kids were going to primary school or elementary school for you guys in the U.S. and it just makes things a lot easier because at least if one of the kids are sick I can be home I can do all, all sorts of all sorts of stuff and run my own schedule and and have fun and I'm just about there with my dream so
0: nice. I think honestly a, a lot of people always wanted to work from home their, their whole lives but and I guess like that's a, a freelancer's dream could, could come true or anything but it it is un- unfortunate when like I guess you're you're not quite used to working remotely like let's say you know you're you're trying to, to connect with, with your bosses or something on, on a Zoom call and your your bandwidth sucks <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, there's definitely some issues. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that uh, working from home is all sunshine and rainbows. Um, you know, there, there are definitely issues. I mean, you don't get sick pay. You don't get annual leave. Um, and if something goes wrong, you know, everything's on you. You can't just, you know, I'm assuming this is the American way and, and just, uh, to, you know, handballing it to, uh, well, actually we say handball in Australia, but uh, passing ball to somebody else <laughs> to solve your problems in the workplace
0: i do that all you know. the time
1: uh but and then also there is the social aspect because a lot of people they enjoy they might not like their jobs as much but they do enjoy the social aspect so they like going to work and um, meeting up with their usual group of people that they may, may do and every friday night might, might go out for a few drinks or whatever afterwards so you don't get in you don't get that really but Honestly, for someone like me, the trade-offs, it's worth it. Um, but not everyone's me. And I do feel for those who ge- had had jobs that they genuinely love doing and they genuinely, um, yeah, you know, they, they might have gone through school or whatever, but they've lost it because of, uh, cause of what happened in 2020, you know, yeah. because not everyone is me. It's nope. as simple as that.
0: No, and, you know, I've... I guess, like, you know, my dad's fortunate to, to be retired, that he doesn't have to, to, like, deal with this stuff. But, like, anyone else who's, like, still working via their, their homes or stuff and they're, they're just not, not used to it, it's, it's kind of a burden. But at the same time, it's, it's good to, to take up hobbies, like, in, in your case, watching cartoons or st- spending more time with you, your kids, so on and so forth.
1: Exactly right, because my, my thing was, okay, Working from home, part of it is kind of selfish because I would prefer working from home. Um, When you work in insurance, you sort of start seeing the worst in people. So you're sort of like, I don't want to deal with people anymore for a while. But anyway, that's a separate thing. But the other thing was, well, my kids, they're only going to be this age for so long and I want to be part of their lives as much as humanly possible. And the way society is, is structured, you're more at work. Than you are at home, and I'm talking full time work here, of course. But you have to do full time in order to make a decent living, and I think it's all just ridiculously unfair. Yeah. So that, so you know, how, how do I make a reasonable income, um, but at the same time be with my kids more? And it took a lot of planning. What I've achieved as it's not an overnight thing. It's it takes a lot of planning, trial and error. I failed numerous times believe me it's
0: i can imagine i can imagine but that's kind of the, the thing like this these types of um methods i should, should say are, are basically as i call them step-by-step processes like it, it it's like a saying that, that, that i use at my college one step at a time or else you plummet <laughs> oh that,
1: that, that, that's right so just um i mean unfortunately look um the advice i can give in case anyone's wondering is it's going to sound like a cheesy help book sort of thing. And as much as a lot of those books are pretty scammy, they do get one thing right, and that is write your overall goal. Say, okay, I want to achieve blah, 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 whatever it may be. It doesn't necessarily mean I'll work from home. It could be anything, you know, to go on a massive holiday, whatever. And then go, okay, then break it down to small steps, okay? So how do I achieve this and and, and work from there? Um, and I've just saved you guys a lot of money, by the way, so you don't have to buy those crappy, uh, scammy books. You know, that's pretty much all they're going to tell you to do. And as simple as it may sound, it's actually – it works. It's effective. Um, and funnily enough, as you as we were just talking now, I just sold, like, 10 comics from my comic shop. And, like, my phone just buzzes when I get a sale, so – you know, <laughs> you can achieve things. You just gotta, you just gotta work at it, and that's all yep. I can really say.
0: Absolutely, as I just said, step by step. But now we're going into the more fun questions related to Looney Tunes. And funny enough, the next two questions I'm, I'm, I'm about to, to ask actually, were actually written by my good b- buddy and partner in crime, Luke Perkins. Shout out to my my boy Luke, who has actually joined us on a, a couple co- commentaries as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has, you know, he's a bit of a shy one, but look, uh, that's not a bad thing, of course, he's a very knowledgeable bloke, and, um, and you know, I quite like his uh, Twitter posts, and, you know, various things, that his various uh, thought processes, and all that stuff, so, no, he's a very good guy.
0: Whenever I need to, to, to find a specific animator, Luke will, will just say, oh, I think this guy did this, I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> so... When did you decide to do the commentary specifically and what inspired you to, to, to do them? Because you could also say that on a, a lot of those Looney Tunes DVDs were commentaries of you were know, from famous animation historians too.
1: Yeah,, yeah exactly like Jerry Beck, Michael Barrier, and Craig Ford and you know, you know all sorts of people. Um, but years ago, as I was collecting the, uh, the Disney Treasures series, I mean you, you know of the Disney Treasures? DVD series?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, so basically, just for those who are listening, I'll just give a quick rundown. It was a yearly DVD re- releases, either three or four sets uh, per year, where they would release a, a part of a run of a particular a cartoon character or a live action series from Walt Disney's time. So, you know, Mickey Mouse Living Color Volume 1, then Volume 2, Black and White Volume 1, and Donald Duck Volume Ones and so on. And that DVD series released, I think, about 90-something percent of all the shorts ever made. So I ended up watching every single Disney ever made, and then I found the remaining that they didn't release. I think it was like a few Chip and Dale shorts or whatever the case may be. But anyway, mm-hmm. essentially I watched all of them and just about in order as well. And it was fascinating to see how the Disney series progressed over the years. And I just, I just was fascinated buy that and i've always wanted to watch all the remaining looney tunes and i thought well it's quite daunting i mean there's like a thousand of them um from the golden age so from 1929 to 1969 but there's a thousand of them which that alone was like whoa you know where do i begin so i thought wouldn't it be fun now that I've got my a media server, I've got um, decent copies of a lot of the cartoons, and now I've got even better copies as I've started the series because of Patreon Max. Thank, thank you, Patreon Max. Why, why not give this a, a go? And then I thought, why not do commentaries on each and every one, So sort of like an online journal or diary, or whatever you want to call it. it. I think it'll be interesting to track my my um, my journey through through all of this, especially when people know some of these cartoons that I get to watch at the time. It could also mean that with the the commentaries that people are probably never going to watch, which was like my older Bosco commentaries, which I listened to a few and, well, they're terrible. I can probably do them better now. And that's, that's okay. You know, that's just how it is. But it allowed me to practice commentating and to find my own style. And so by the time I reach the Buddy Shorts, you know, the greatest Looney Tunes character ever, um, I know it's your oh, favorite, like.
0: Oh, yeah. I watch his, his <laughs> cartoons every day. Luke knows this yeah, for a fact.
1: You're watching it right now. You're not even listening to me. See, oh, yeah. Uh, no,
0: I'm busy, I'm busy I'm <laughs> busy listening to Buddy's Beard Garden on fucking dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. And I thought it'd make, make it would be making for an interesting YouTube channel. Now, I know um, our mutual friend Trevor Thompson, he made his... Um, he did his own Looney Tunes uh, commentaries as well. Now, first of all, I can assure everyone, I didn't pitch the idea of him or anything. In fact, he knows me, I know him. But he does his sort of, uh, when he did them anyway, he doesn't do them anymore, but when he did them, he just picked ones at random and, you know, all over the place. But at least in in my case, it's literally doing them in order and seeing how the studio developed. And there's been a lot of surprises along the way, which I can elaborate later if you want, but... um, I just thought, let's do this. Let's have a bit of fun and other people can come along for the ride as well.
0: Yeah. That makes sense, too. And I think like throughout your journey, I think you've made a lot of really notable historian friends, too. With that in mind, are you able to get additional research from from them?
1: Well, look, people like, say, Jerry Beck, right? Because I I, I interviewed him and um, very soon, actually, after we're recording this, um, I'm going to be doing my own podcast as well in addition to the YouTube channel uh where I used part of his interview but the thing about Jerry Beck is that he's a very very busy individual in fact the fact that he agreed to um take his take his sunday out for me to answer a few questions was was absolutely amazing but i'm finding myself connecting more with the younger generation which sounds weird because i'm, I'm 35 years there's the younger generation it's just, just the concept is foreign to me at the moment but anyway (laughs) and they know so much more than me about you know who animated what i mean uh like my good friend austin kelly like um he and i have really like hit it off so well that you know he might be more involved with the channel we're still working something out you know and then then there's people like yourself which you may not be uh like an animator identifier per se but you've got your own insights so that's been pretty good as well so I would love to connect with some of the more um, prominent historians at some point. Well, I, I, I actually, De- Devon Baxter, Like, he, um, I've connected with him. Um, he does amazing work um, identifying animators and posting all sorts of stuff on his Patreon. Yeah. Um, That's fun. It's been a great journey. Um, and I will mention one thing, and I don't want to come across as rambling, but uh, before I started this journey... You know, I have my friends around here in Melbourne. I mean, I know you might be shocked to hear I've got friends here, but anyway, (gasps) um, it's like, what? And they respect the fact, you know, I'm I'm huge into animation and and, and, and all that stuff, but they're not too into it like me. Like, they're not interested in studying the animators. They're not interested in, you know, the the old random things that I like to watch. And that's that's cool, you know. You know, we discuss other things, you know. Yeah. So it it was good doing this journey to connect with um, like-minded people. Granted, some of them... I think they're a bit too far... I'm not going to name names, but they were too, they're too far into it. But I just leave that because that's... They may well be, you know, maybe autistic or they may um, <laughs> just have, have something. Like, cause, uh, and, I'm not, and that's not to make fun of autistic people. I have I've Asperger's myself, so... Um, uh, <gasps> but it's more shock, horror, I know it, it, It's more that, uh, yeah, some people are a bit too far into it. But, but those, like yourself, for example whom I can uh, t- you know talk to, discuss, you know animation theories and all that stuff, and yeah, have a good time. Just come doing it. It's it's, a, it's it's incredible. And and and, I'll, and, to, and to that point, one of my good friends, I'm going to be actually best man at his wedding, um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, he's been following my, my channel from the beginning, and he's actually been watching my commentaries. Even though he's not a die-hard animation fan, he likes animation. He's an anime fan more, but but he's been watching him and. When he, when he watched the Groovy Ghoulie special uh, video I did with my like, good friend Fox, he was like, he texted me straight away going, what the hell did you just make me watch? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that fucking special is a masterpiece. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I, w- I was talking with Jerry Beck about it as well, and um... You know, we, 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 and it was weird. We are supposed to be talking about the first 250 Looney Tunes, and yet somehow we got into a conversation about Cool Cat and the Groovy Ghoulies as well, and how <laughs> the same actor who voiced Cool Cat, he was also in Groovy Ghoulies. And Larry
0: Storch. Uh,
1: yeah, and he and how he does tries to do a vo- vocal impression of Jim Backus and all this stuff. It's just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's, 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 it's crazy, but
0: yeah. Nice. So, you've already mentioned about your early commentaries, but... What's the overall process of doing them?
1: Um, okay. So generally speaking, what, what I do is, of course, I watch the cartoon first. Even if I've seen it before, it doesn't matter. I mean, come on. What, what's what's so bad about watching a, a cartoon that I've seen before? And yes, that includes um, uh, Angel Puss, which is one of the worst cartoons I've made, but whatever, uh. okay? Um, so so I, I watch the cartoon first. I take my notes. I do my research. I use IMDb as a springboard but however i assume what's on imdb is wrong yeah uh, <laughs> purpose and, and it's actually a good way of doing it because then i can go okay i know mel blank is mel blank so he's easy to identify and, and a few of the other voice actors but some of the women who, do, who were doing the high-pitched voices at the time like bernie hansel and all that and margaret to ball it's harder to differentiate so then i delve further i confirm okay you know who who's voicing this squeaky character so, so I, so I do that. Okay. So then, then I take my notes, and uh, and also any any observations and, and so on. On a lot of them, Austin Kelly now helps me as well. Like, so he he does research um, and just provides me with certain information that I may find interesting for the channel. And then I just record the commentary. I just go for it. Um, I know some people the way they work, they have to pre-plan every single aspect. At, to make sure that i miss out on it yeah. but i found doing it that way doesn't work for me because then i get too worried i get too hesitant and nothing gets done i just yeah. go in there and do it if i miss a fact or two i just leave it i might put it in the comments but other people may comment for me and i just pin those comments so that's the easy way to do yeah. it um then i just yeah you know, process upload but the what there's one last step because some people but um, like, well, my good friend Blue Genocide was really curious about this one stage because he kept looking blocked. But YouTube, unless the cartoon's in public domain, YouTube will block it. Yep. So it'll say, yep, using copyright material, and that's fair. I'm not uh, angry about about all that because they, you know, Warner Brothers in this case has to protect their property. So I have to then prove to Warners that what I'm doing is fair use, which it is, uh, so that what I'm producing is not as the same match as what their product is like my product can stand on its own. That no one can look at my what I'm doing and look what 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 their original product is and mistake the two. So that's essentially fair use. So I then uh, put a challenge into Warner Brothers, and you know I'll give them credit where credit's due. They usually approve it within the next business day in America at least. But that that's okay. And then it's free to free to release and. You know, my good friend Blue Genocide, he, he did, a few, did one, two commentaries and he, uh, and, the, and the funny story that he always likes to say is he records the commentary, he gets blocked and he's like, well, how come this Anthony fella, how come he can, uh, they're letting him get away with this, this stuff is not, this stuff's all copyrighted, what, what the hell, why is he getting a free pass? So my answer, of course, was, you know, big bags of money, but, you know, but then I told him, you know, what I really do and that's, you know. Three big bags of money. so, Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. You YouTube can be stingy ab- about the stuff, but at this point, I've I've, I've kind of learned to like not really fight them anymore. That's kind of why I, I barely upload videos anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I will say. Look, it hasn't been one hundred percent perfect. Um, hmm. Only Warner's have only done t- this twice, which is which is a bit annoying. But I'm not gonna take it further. But uh, one of my commentaries was for Uncle Tom's Bungalow, and now I, I get the words "Uncle Tom" you, he's uh, seen in the US as a bit of a racial slur, so I understand yeah. that. Um, I uploaded the video, and you know the whole thing is just a purely educational context. It's like, okay, what is Uncle Tom's Bungalow? Okay, it's a play on Uncle Tom's cabin um which which was uh, a book a play that a book and then there was a few adaptions and and, and all that stuff even even disney did one uh, um through mickey Ma- mickey mouse's melodrama i think that was what it was, it was called but it was a purely educational thing and yet they denied it and i actually ended up getting a copyright strike when i tried to challenge that further um now i'm sure if i challenged it again I'm, i would have probably won it but i'm not going to so i've released that separately and if people want it they can just come to my channel i can give the link and they can watch it on my google drive that that's that's fine um plus also baham duck um i did did a reaction video which i released today and, and they just refused to release that even though it's a pure reaction slash educational video but what yeah. Do you
0: yeah do? yeah you, you can just, only do so much at the end of the, the day
1: but still, I've recorded uh, as of this recording at least um, 293 audio commentaries. Uh, actually, plus two more. One is the Bosco part, and the unreleased Looney Tunes that was never released. So, 295 of them. The fact that they have only denied one out of 295, I th- I think that's that that's pretty solid. Um, We'll see how we go when I get to the World War II shorts,
0: huh? Ooh, boy.
1: <laughs> Those ones I probably just won't monetize either, just to keep things,
0: you know. Yeah. Don't even bother. Uh, <laughs> on, on,
1: on the level, but. Yeah.
0: We'll see how we go. For sure, for sure. So, would you say. Because we, we've been, been, been talking about Looney Tunes this whole time. Would you say that Looney Tunes is your personal favorite cartoon series from the golden age of animation?
1: Well, here's the thing. I view it as, like, I'm going to an ice cream store. You know, sometimes I'll want chocolate. I'm just in a chocolate mood. Sometimes I'm in a boysenberry mood. And sometimes, actually most of the time these days, I'm in salted caramel mood, you know. So if anyone's curious about what my favourite flavour of ice cream is salted caramel, it it just... You know, Looney Tunes is definitely one of my top favourites. But... It, again, it just depends on my mood. Sometimes I'll just want to want to watch, um, you know, the Brave Little Tailor, which is a Mickey Mouse short to admire the animation in that. Or sometimes I just want an MGM text. So I just and sometimes I'll just want to watch uh, one of my favorite UPA cartoons, um, you know, like like the Telltale Telltale tell, Heart, if I can talk correctly today, um, which is as far far from a Looney Tune short as you can get. <laughs> um, so I don't really have a favorite. It, it's it, it just depends on the day. It's, it's really, really weird. Uh, and even within Looney Tunes, you know, like sometimes I'll absolutely love to watch, you know, uh, uh, Roadrunner, and then the next day I'm just sick of Roadrunner. I don't want to watch mm. Roadrunner for ages. I want to watch, you know, maybe Bugs Bunny or something. So Yeah.
0: Sometimes you, you want to watch uh, some Popeye. Other times you want to watch some Heckle and Jekyll. Other times you just want to watch the Pink Panther. And other times you want to watch M- Mickey Mouse, even though M- Mickey Mouse hasn't got a, a personality to save his soul. Yeah,
1: but then you can watch something like Brave Little Taylor and just watch it just for the for the beautiful Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnson animation in it. It, it. It's like when when Mickey's um in front of the King um, telling his story about how he's um killed Seven in one blow, which of course flies, but people think he's swatted Seven giants. But the animation of him is like, we're saying, well, I'm all alone. I'm trying to do my Mickey Mouse. It's terrible. Um, I'm all alone. And the homecoming, or, or turn left, turn right. You know, That's garbage. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh gosh, gosh! See, You're fairy- going to puberty, <laughs> as you can probably hear. With that. <laughs> anyway, the, so the point is, they're one. Blue certainly one of my favourite series. But ask me one day, and I'll say, yeah, Blue is my favourite. And tomorrow, I might tell you that uh, the early pink Panthers are my favourite. You know, it's
0: <laughs> it's yeah. all over the place. Which is funny, since, since, like, the Pink Panther cartoons were made by Friz Freeling. One of the Looney Tunes legends.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just so weird that those early Pink Panthers were uh, legitimately really good. Yeah. Um, and yet, the same studio made some of the worst Looney Tunes. Like, it was, it was clear that they just wanted to get the Looney Tunes stuff out of the way and just get the money from and concentrate on their own projects. But that, that's just my, my theory be wrong
0: I think it's pretty accurate you can tell that that, that their efforts were in other areas
1: yeah exactly
0: um, so given all that I guess we've already gone into what it's like doing these commentaries in the pan- pandemic especially you know being in Australia but how has Australia been treating the pandemic out of curiosity
1: well it's interesting because we've got um, uh, we've got a federal government and we've got state governments okay so um... See, the federal government, the one we've got currently, is probably one of the most hopeless and epic governments I've seen in my <laughs> lifetime. But that's a separate thing. But our state government, we have a, well, you guys have governors, we have um, premiers. So it's a similar thing. So they're, they're in charge of the, the state. And the one we've got here, Victoria, I think has done a fantastic job overall. Now, fortunately, where I am, there was uh, a leak with the um, with the virus. Um, there was supposed to be um, hotel quarantine and all that stuff for visitors travelling here, but the virus ended up getting loose, and unfortunately, it spread a lot. We had uh, at its peak about seven hundred and fifty new cases a day, but then we mandated masks, we uh, um, down You can't travel more than five kilometers, or which is like I think just a few miles in in US um, you know, distances. Um, but and shops. Closed except for the essentials, but the government will support the shops. Um, you'll get your income suppl- supplanted and all that sort of stuff. So, everyone was supported during the pandemic. It wasn't perfect, I'm not going to pretend it was perfect, but I think it was still a better solution than you guys getting now only 600 bucks, you know, from your government yeah. now. But, um, <laughs> it's been just, um, but anyway, um, and as a result, we went from 750 cases to literally zero, and this is our 50 something. Th- 50 something's day with zero cases in Victoria um, except for a few that are in in hotel quarantine and these are just visitors from overseas that are returning home and they have to quarantine for 14 days and then they they can you know obviously yeah you know, come back home or do whatever they need to do so yeah. big difference so i could tell so for those complaining that masks don't work Uh, no they do work they do Uh, and 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 and, and essentially suffocating the virus that it can't be transmitted to other people that works it does (laughs) i've lived it i'm here so if you if you're spouting rubbish right-wing theories to me about uh what masks don't work and all this all this stuff no no i lived it Okay, but then again, a lot of uh, you, your extreme right wing folk in the US probably don't even think Australia exists. We're just all actors here or something. So, you know,
0: you're just the, 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 the second version of English, version, English version. I'm
1: concerned. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. So, look, uh, as much as there was that issue of the virus actually leaking, at least it was handled. And, yeah, I mean, I can go into more depth, but yeah, I, wanna, I don't, don't want to go too negative on your, uh, on, your, on your little show here
0: yeah we promote positivity more than negativity sorry joe rogan (laughs) um but with that said now with the serious question out of the way we're going to move on to some more fun questions wouldn't you all like that you don't well too bad (laughs) all right so this was a question that we we kind of like like well, maybe not so, so much a question, but more of like a minor philosophy we, we've had about stuff. But And this actually kind of, kind of goes into how people feel about you know animation and so on and so forth. Um, do you feel that overhyped can ruin one's perception on something that's so popular? Like let's say someone were, were to go, oh, Roger Rabbit's the best movie ever. And then so someone watches it and they're like, I mean, it's okay, but it's not great.
1: Yeah, two movies come to mind for me okay, and this may shock you or some of you as a case, so, all right, um, first of all, I absolutely despise Shrek, okay? <gasps> um, I, I, I'll i tell you the story of what, what happened. See, uh, it came out when I in what 2001, so I was in uh, year 11, so it, it, the equivalent of college for, uh, for you guys in the US, pretty, okay? So, you know, it would have come out at roughly the right age kind of thing. It, it had that vibe where, you know, teenagers could, could find a lot of the, the the dirty jokes in there, funny and, and all that stuff. But I missed it in the cinemas because I think I had exams or something at the time, but whatever. So... Uh, I missed it, but then it came on DVD. Okay, um, yes, there was a thing which was just DVD, and no Blu-ray at the time. Just
0: yes, it was really old
1: And and streaming, you know, no, that didn't exist. But yeah, yeah um, it came out. So and I, and I was I was genuinely excited to see it because everyone was raving about how brilliant it was, how funny it was, It was the greatest thing ever. And I remember at the time getting the DVD home, and, and while I was waiting for everyone, you know, to sort of get ready, you know, popcorn, toilet breaks, whatever. Um, so we can watch it together. I you know, I put the disc in and I watched one of the special features, which was I think like a jukebox sort of thing where there were all the characters were just singing all these different songs, like one line from each song or something. Oh, Yeah. I, doing it. I remember that. And I, I thought I thought, okay, this, this 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 could be interesting. You know, it wasn't ha, ha-ha-ha, whatever, funny, but I thought, okay, this, this could be could be an interesting watch, you know. I am I might be in for a good time. And then we watched the film and when it finished I thought where are the jokes? Hello, hello, humour. Where are you? Like, I literally, I did not find any of it funny. I thought it was awful. I thought Donkey was the most stupidest, annoying character. Like, 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 there's, there's funny annoying, but then, then there's awful annoying. Like, you know, like, like Sniffles the mouse, and in this case, Donkey. Actually, I, th- I think Sniffles actually is a better character than the Donkey. That, that, that
0: oh,
1: <laughs> controversy, controversy. No, I'm, but the thing is, and, and, and I thought, you know what? after a few months i thought you know what maybe i watched it on the wrong day maybe i had the wrong mood and i'm trying to figure out okay some people must see something in this to find this brilliant and all that stuff you know And i, I thought okay i'll give it another go and i watched it again and no nah, i actually hated it even more the second time it was like i'm thinking gee this is awful and, and then i find out a few weeks ago that they put it in the national film registry i'm going you do realise that there's way better films that need to go in that registry than Shrek. I mean, it
0: was <laughs> bad. Uh but, but,
1: better. But I'm bite my tongue. But look, people look, there are people that like the movie. I'm not gonna the little people who like it. if you enjoy it fantastic go and watch it if you're happy it's in there great i'm not gonna post things on twitter saying oh why did i have to put this stupid film on there nah who cares i'll just move on i've got my life to live so but the other example which might be more close to home to you because i believe you posted recently on um about the, uh, the iron giants uh, yeah and-
0: uh, for those who, who don't know i i also have uh, this like small animation blog called the animator id chronicles which my friend luke helps out with I posted the film that that Anthony's about to talk about, an animator ID of of a shot that I absolutely love from from this movie. But what movie is that? Anthony, you say so.
1: Yeah, so with the Iron Giant. Now, again, again, this is what happened. uh, When was the thing? I think it was the 20th anniversary or 15th. Things. i don't know it was, it was an anniversary anyway and you know in, on cartoon research um you know posted all these interviews and stuff people raving about it you know it's brad bird you know he's yeah. making great films you know Rat- ratatouille is
0: probably my favorite pixar film mine Again, too that may that may change um based on the day of the
1: week but i find myself usually zoning in on ratatouille for some reason so i thought okay it's brad bird I clearly missed it at cinema, because I it wasn't even advertised here in Australia, at least as far as I was aware. I knew nothing of this short. Uh, but I finally had a chance to see it, and I thought, let's watch this, um, because, I don't know, like, it's Brad Bird. I mean, he can really do no wrong. I mean, <clears throat> tomorrow later. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, so I watched it. And I want to make one thing, one, one thing absolutely clear. Unlike Shrek, Iron Giant is definitely well animated.
0: It's very competent. It's got a solid story in fact if you
1: haven't seen it i actually do encourage you to see it unlike shrek i do encourage you to see iron giant especially if you enjoy incredibles which i'm not as big of an incredibles fan but i do enjoy it for what it is uh, but if you love ratatouille like i do yeah give it a go no. but when i watched it people were telling me online how, how they cried the final scene and they got all emotional, this and that but when i watched it i thought oh it's, it's okay like uh, i thought it's all right it's it wasn't a bad way to spend. I think what an hour and a half, or however long the film is. And but there was nothing that made made it scream out, "Whoa, yeah, wow, this is the most amazing thing ever." I mean, I do like the Iron Giant design. I will say that. <laughs> uh, but all in all, I thought it was forgettable for the most part. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, and, I, and I and I and I and I did the same thing I did with Shrek. Well, I, I watched it again to go, "Okay, now that the hype has been washed off and." I know what to expect maybe i can watch it with watch it with uh, fresh eyes and again i watched it maybe appreciate it a little bit more like i was watching some of the animation and some of the acting in it which was really good i think brad Bird did one thing with the coffee jitters or something yeah he did one of those scenes um, see i'm not gonna trash something unless i you know, or, or discuss something unless i know what i'm talking about but again i didn't feel that emotional wallop that everyone else was i'm thinking well what the, what's wrong with me i i you know, I cried at the end of Coco. I mean, this film did nothing for me. So, again, to those watching, if you haven't seen it, I do encourage you to see it. In fact, you might be one of the 90-something percent of people who absolutely love it, and <laughs> yep. you will discover something that you enjoy. But when I watched it, I,
0: yeah,
1: I, I don't I know. Like, yeah. just, <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt kind of empty, you know, but... That's just that's just me. But I am looking yeah. forward to whatever Brad does next. I think he's doing a musical or something now, yeah. which will be interesting. So um, that, I'll that,
0: that
1: be on the, on, the, on, the, on the lookout for it. But, um, I mean, what about for yourself? you like um, – and I'm not going to take over your podcast, I assure you. I'm not putting into <laughs> Anthony's animation talk mode here. <laughs> um, have you watched anything yourself where, like, someone says, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, then you watch I it. Have. And you either hated it or you thought,
0: eh. I have – I mean, not too many, many times, but, you know, it's... The way you feel about Shrek is actually how I feel about, don't kill me, Napoleon the Dynamite. <laughs> um, it's... I, I,
1: I, I'm I, on the same... No, I'm on the same page as you. If I could... That's one of those few films where that, and along with any Wes Anderson film, if I could find every single copy in the world, I would burn it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Same. But the thing... No, but because, like, at, at, at least what Wes Anderson films have some interesting visual stuff. Like, Napoleon Dynamite, I I, I had heard this since I was a kid. It was like, oh, this movie's so funny. It's so funny. I was like, oh, cool. Then I, I, I remember watching it well, one day, and at the, the end, I was just like, what the hell did, did I just watch? <laughs> like, literally, like there were... <laughs> There were barely any jokes, no likable characters. Like, aside from the dance sequence, I, f- I forgot about the whole movie, like, af- after finishing it. It was, like, it was just, like, a giant pile of nothing. That being said, looking back on it, I think I, I understand why people liked it. I, I think I think it- its fan base comes from the people who enjoyed it when they were in, like, you know, elementary school or middle school. And, and they just were related to-, to-, to the awkwardness. It just wasn't really my c- c- cup of tea. But I can actually... An- yeah. But I can answer an opposite because everyone loves Studio Ghibli. If, if you say like, oh, Studio is overrated, whatever, you know, that's, that's fine. But there tends to, to be one film in, in their roster that many people say, this is their worst, and that would be Tales from Earthsea, the directorial debut of Hayao Miyazaki's son, Goro. Now, I, I had heard about this movie for, for, for so long that like, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad, it's, it's their worst film ever. And I remember this year, I, I finally decided to watch it with, with some, some friends. And to be honest, I get why people hate it, but I found my myself being kind of immersed in it. I liked that it it took its time instead of like you know jumping into the 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 more like crazy action stuff. And I also liked how it it took it's time to, to like delve in, in, into the, the themes of lightness o- o- over darkness and, and stuff. The ending sucked. I, I I will admit that. But but that's the only part that where I would say wow they they they, they really failed. But otherwise, like the, the the movie itself was just like I mean it's you know it's it's decent. And you know I, I I think based on what you've said, Anthony, I feel like there's always been this mindset where if more people people likes it, something, then it, it's like. A burden. If anyone disagrees, like you know, God for 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 forbid if you don't think the the Godfather is a cinematic masterpiece, or God for forbid if you find an Adam Sandler movie funny, blah blah blah. And you know, I like I do agree that Citizen Kane is a great movie, and I definitely agree that you know the Garbage Pail Kids movie is one of the worst of things ever. But there's also nothing wrong in just enjoying something that you're you feel genuine you about. Like I I have friends who actually enjoy Disney's Chicken Little. I don't know why, but. Whatever you know, it's their deal.
1: Exactly. Uh, Look, look, the way the way I look at it is, there is literally so many movies, TV shows, uh, and and everything in between, and that exists where it's impossible to watch all of them in one lifetime. Just what enjoy what you enjoy. If you if you're trying something else and you end up liking it, just move on, there's, there's yeah. plenty of other things, you know, and as much as I did really dislike Wes Anderson's films, and I mean with, like, and I've seen them all, by the way, I've given them all a go, in the, in the vain hope that one of them will actually connect with me, and so far <laughs> they've all just failed, even the Hotel Budapest I thought was just an overrated punk of garbage, except for the visuals, of course, uh, but I don't care if, if you like the, his stuff, great, fantastic, if that gives you joy, brilliant, you know, enjoy it, me, I'm going to move on and watch bad Tim Burton films because I enjoy bad Tim Burton films. <laughs> you can tell me everything wrong about you know, Alice in Wonderland. You can tell me everything wrong with Dark Shadows yeah. and, and all that will be true. I will not deny it. But at the same time, I'll still be like, you know what? It still gives me joy to see um, Johnny Depp as a really awful vampire and in a very uneven, horrible script that should have been given at least a few more rewrites. You know, I don't care. I'll watch it. I'll enjoy it.
0: I mean... I like char- his adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory more than Willy Wonka, even though I do love Gene Wilder more. I will say say that, but I like his adaptation more. You, you, you must
1: be some kind of a missing twin brother of mine or something, because that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> um, so I think what you and I need to do is maybe get Tim Burton's Charlie and Chocolate Factory, maybe somehow deep fake. Gene Wilder on, on, Onto Johnny Depp's face And maybe that will sort of Yeah
0: Like that's That's the one, one cherry movie movie. on top That'll see that, That'll make the whole movie Like a 10 out of 10 <laughs>
1: Exactly and, and the thing about The original Willy Wonka Not to derail too much From the conversation But the thing about The original Willy Wonka Is that the first 40 minutes Are actually awful I mean granted oh, yeah. The um, Candyman song's great But everything about The first 40 minutes Is terrible Like why is there That, that joke with the guy Being interviewed And he eats That um, eats the microphone yeah. It just doesn't work None of that works it's actually really bad. In fact, when my kids were younger, um, they liked really walking in the chocolate factory. But they would always ask me to fast forward it to when they get <laughs> to the factory because I would put it forty minutes in front just to start from the factory because that's the only that's the good part. That that's the part that's genuinely uh, that works. Um, yeah. It's not perfect, but it works. But the first forty minutes are so bad. At least the Tim Burton adaptation follows the book more closely. Yes, you get a backstory for William Wonka, which probably wasn't needed, but no. it's okay. We can forgive that because you seem to see more of Christopher Lee, at least. But <laughs> music is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy a lot of the effects. The 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 songs in in the um, the Tim Burton one were basically they used the lyrics in the book and they made a song out of it. So uh, I don't know. I I think it's underrated, but that's just you know. That's just me.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, I think, like, as, as Steve Stanchfield once said, and you know, n- not that I I consider Charlie and the Ch- Chocolate Factory my fifth favorite movie or anything, but that, if you think uh, about it, every movie was made to be someone's f- favorite movie. Like, even even so, so something as boring as the the Popeye movie is probably just someone's f- favorite movie. Yeah.
1: I, I've actually yet to, yet to see it, to be quite, quite honest. Um, hmm. uh, But... I will see it at some point. So yeah. I would say, um,
0: honestly, I would say give it a chance. And you know, I hate that movie, but I think it is worth watching it at least once.
1: Yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, and and, and just a little quick bit of trivia to derail further. But that the actual set for that movie still exists today. Oh, yeah. As a um as a tour, as a tourist park in, uh, I think it's an island off either Cyprus or Malta or something. It's somewhere in the Mediterranean.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Malta, Malta. That's that's where where it is. Yeah, somewhere around there. Well, Mediterranean. I was kind of close.
1: Yeah, <laughs> almost there. Close but not cigar. Somewhere, it's, it's it's somewhere in Africa. You
0: know, I mean. <laughs> the movie would have been better if, if it was animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, probably, not. probably a- not. Actually, just another fun question: Is there a, a live-action movie out there that that, that you look at it and go, "Man, this this would have been so much better if it was animated"?
1: Um, let's see. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's actually a tough one. Um, it depends, and also depends what you mean by animated, because, um, like like cause, you know there's obviously adult style animation, then you got you know, children's style animation, and it will just depend on how it's animated. And as long as it's animated, it's not dumbed down for kids. If you get my meaning, like if it's the same movie just animated, even if it's full of violence. But I can't think of too many recently that would work. But see, I. Uh, 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 let, let's, look, let's look at a movie like Tenet, for example, which I, I actually enjoyed. I, I bought it on 4K because I really want to dive into that uh, At least well. you it's did not lost. see
0: it in a theater.
1: Actually, I did, but that's because, oh. as I mentioned before, with the lockdown thing, our lockdown things were lifted and we were allowed to safely go in the cinema. So Lucky. I can tell that. So... So I did watch it in the cinema, but then two weeks later it was out on four K Blu Ray. Anyway, so I picked it up regardless. Um, which is good. It was fresh in my mind. I got to watch it again. Which is, it's, it's. I think it's incredible. I think people need to watch it a few times to get more out of it. Um, but see, that film would look amazing animated. But the kicker with that is a lot of the stunts that was all done on camera. So I guess it's like okay, that, the film would look amazing animated, but then. live action the fact that they achieved it
0: yeah sort
1: of yeah um so i I can't really give you a straight answer without thinking about it i mean probably when we finish this competition i'll probably go oh yeah that film i could have said that but
0: yeah (laughs) it's okay i i can actually name a few examples i I, I mean of (laughs) course that there's films like how are the the duck where they were supposed to be animated but for some reason they're like no we're gonna make a live action it's like thanks i actually
1: met the guy who um played Howard the duck um he did the voice and the puppetry and all that stuff and you know lovely guy and you know and 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 I was, I was sort of expecting like he usually says people people usually go into him oh yeah the film was wasn't that good it's like well why are you going up to this actor who was just yeah you'd be in the film he's doing his best i mean why do want to put why do we want to put this person down yeah uh, but no i i um i went to him and and i said to him look while how it's my, my favorite film i admire what you guys did you know puppetry wise how did that work and we had we had this long discussion His line wasn't very long which was quite sad but anyway um yeah he was just telling me how was was it how it was all done and it was just just absolutely incredible but sorry i interrupted you
0: yeah Um, no it's okay i do that with my guests all the the time (laughs) but considering that there's like some movies out, out there where I, I look at them and go, "You could have made this animated, but you didn't want to, because you you feel it's too much of a risk, even though it's like half CGI." Like I, I remember when Alita Battle Angel*, the adaptation of that manga was coming out. I I I, I watched it and I was actually really mad looking at, at it because I thought, "Well, why why is this anime? Why is this live action? It, it should be like..." fully animated like why why is the main character you're giving them this like manga-esque guys just make it fully animated it doesn't make any sense you know mm.
1: yeah but to be fair i thought alita was um i thought it was a nice little gem um and you know for, for it being live action i thought they did an excellent job at, you know in terms of story action acting everything uh, was amazing but you are right um it would, it would have worked really good as animation and but i think the school thought there might have been well it was already an anime so yeah. well, it was a manga but i, I don't think wasn't it an anime i think it was
0: it, was it, it? must have been no, i have no idea uh, i, know, I know it was one yeah
1: someone's gonna do some keyboard right yeah it, like, it, it,
0: was, it the, yeah. was only a manga first <laughs> yeah but but you,
1: but you are right it, it would have been an interesting um uh, thing thing to see as uh, as animation but but anyway um but then you've also got other films that we think want to do do it live action or a different way like you know the polar express I mean, yeah
0: that, that's a case where, where that had no reason to, to be animated
1: well i watched that again the, the other day and i will say a few things about it so with the polar express it's one of those films where, like, directing-wise, if you look at the way the shots are composed and everything, it's really good. Like, Zemeckis, Zemeckis is a fantastic director. I mean, you should know he did Roger Rabbit, of course. Yeah.
0: Um, but, um,
1: and, and I do admire the uh, the te- the technology you used and about how the same actor, you know, in this case, Tom Hanks, played all these different right. roles, including the young boy. Um, and, and, and all this stuff, yeah. Uh, but ultimately, the technology was too what was too young for to yeah. it to be truly effective. But I can also appreciate, like, well, they're going to start somewhere. I mean, it's just like with the first Toy Story film, where if you look at it now and all the rendering, it's very yeah. basic compared to what's yeah. available now. So I look at Paul Express kind of like, well, that was one of the stepping stones to the technologies we have now, like in the Marvel films where you, you know, you de-age characters and that sort of thing. So I can appreciate it for them for that so just a, just a little side point i wanted to make there but the point i'm trying to make as well polo express that one actually could have been live action i think or traditionally animated
0: yeah at the very least it could have even been done in the style of like the original book
1: yeah exactly but i actually look i got a soft spot for it i think i think especially if you watch it in 3d and imax right i think it's amazing um but yeah, there is still the uncanny valley problems and yeah. the way that's a, uh, and the way a lot of the the uh, characters move in certain parts, which are just too fluid. It doesn't feel natural, like the, like the whole dance scene in the train, um, which I like I like the song because we all know that what a great singer Tom Hanks is. But um, uh, it's it, it's just too too fluid. But 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 the, but the way it was shot though incredible. But. You got you got to do stepping stone films, and that and that's one of the stepping stone films. I think Zemeckis did much better with um, Christmas Carol.
0: You know, you bring up a good point, and you know, we can actually re- relate this back to Looney Tunes. That in many ways, if if you fail the the first time, by no means stop tr- trying. To just like you keep on going, because in many ways, like and especially as we've seen in your commentaries or the the films that we enjoy, or t- t- technology growing we see early stuff that may not look so great visually or may, may not have good good stories or anything, but they're I- important because they're stepping stones of what will end up becoming better things later. Like Frist Freeling, the aforementioned Looney Tunes L- 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 director, was well-known for remaking his own cartoons because he, he wanted to improve on, on them a, a lot. Yeah,
1: exactly. And the, the biggest shock for me was just how, sadly, how... Goal and unfunny, a lot of his earlier stuff was. But if you look at his trajectory in terms of him as a filmmaker, well, he's got he's got to start somewhere. And I think, yeah, with going back to *Polar Express*, in terms of motion capture, well, that was a genuine stepping stone in that technology. Um, I mean, granted, it never really took off. I think it fizzled out with Marcy's Mums or something. I think that was like the last yeah. true yeah. thing, um, which I which I haven't seen. I heard it was awful. Yeah, but I'm not
0: going to bother with it. That, that sort
1: of animation style seems to have died with that, but the technology lives on. And, yeah, yeah, and as I said, you're seeing it now in a lot of the Marvel films. <laughs> And you know, and uh, not not to spoil the Mandalorian, you 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 would have seen that in there as well. Um, hint, hint. You know, definitely see it. Again. <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil anything, uh, but it's it's amazing. Um, so, yeah.
0: But what if it's overhyped? <laughs>
1: well, you know, it, I, I, I'll, I'll give things a go, um, but if I don't like something, I just move on. I don't I don't go out of my way to tell people don't watch it. I'll just. A good reviewer. Uh, I actually like um, like Malton's philosophy in that where if he'll write he'll write if he doesn't like a movie, but at the same time he's not going to call people stupid for liking something. If that no. makes sense. But I do like his his best review though was about um, uh, Police Academy Six, where he goes that you should only see Police Academy Six if you thought that Police Academy Five was uh, robbed at the Oscars or something like something along those lines. <laughs> I thought it
0: was. See, my favorite type of. Um film re- reviews are where the, the the critics mix their opinions with sardonic humor in a way that still feels g- genuine. I feel like, not to trash movie re- reviewers now, but I, f- I feel like some like, you know, and, and I'm also not speaking about, you know, professional film cr- critics or, or anything, but I feel like what's kind of been gone in a, a lot of movie reviewers nowadays is that People assume that you have to be the most cynical, sar- sardonic to enjoy something or or view this as something like, oh, I have to view this with the with the, the, the lowest expectations ever. And if I do like it, it's a miracle. It's like, no, I tell, I mean, maybe that's your way, but I'm, that doesn't mean everyone's going to do it that, that, that way.
1: Exactly. Yeah. There are a few online YouTubers which I look, I don't want to... um. I don't want to get too negative. I don't want to point, you know, point names out or anything, but there are some massive YouTubers where I've tried watching a few times and it's just so overly negative. I mean, yes, there are some really trashy films out there and if you're having fun with those really trashy films, okay, have, have some fun. But if you're watching something that objectively could be seen as good by some, you know, you don't need to be overly trashy. It's just yeah. not a fun, fun thing to watch, so...
0: Like, am I going to trash Frozen just because pe- people like it? No.
1: No, nah, I, mean, my, 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 I mean, my daughter likes it. I mean, although, um, she reads me on Frozen too. Like, every time I ask her, what's Frozen 2 about? And she, like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Like> she, <laughs> it's true. It, like, 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 she was, um... Okay. The, oh, look, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my quick things about Frozen, okay? First, Frozen is basically one genuinely amazing sequence. I mean, look, yes, Let It Go is played overplayed yeah but that whole sequence is amazing it is a pinnacle in fact if you see in 3d as well it's even more amazing it's just one of the highlights of disney animation for the like you know the 2010s decade yeah but everything around that sequence just pales in comparison and <laughs> it's just okay average at best and even the songs for the most part were just they weren't even that good in my opinion like i actually forgot a lot of the songs everyone's like oh but what about um? We want to build a snowman, all this stuff. It's yeah. like, no, when the film ended, you end credits. And then Frozen Two. My daughter, because she was, you know, she's a bit bit older, um, so she was uh, six at the time. She was insisting, you know, that we go and uh, see it in the cinema when it came out. Like she was keeping an eye on the date. She was learning how to tell the date and all that, <laughs> you know, which was pretty cute. And she, um, once it came out, I was like, okay, it's Friday night. We're gonna have some dinner. We're gonna watch the movie because you took you took uh, my brother uh, and we emmy to watch uh, toy story 4 which came out the same year Um, uh, now it's my turn we're gonna see frozen 2 fair enough yep we'll go we'll go and i asked uh, my daughter L- lily's her name i asked lily lily later on um so what did you think of the film she goes oh it was good i said okay what's it about i don't know
0: <laughs> see you know a film is flawed when when, when even kids go eh, what? like i i remember when um the forsaken atrocity that that is Norm of of the North came out. Like, I heard that the movie was so- bad. a masterpiece, man. <laughs> yeah, but basically, it's better than Zootopia. I saw
1: Rob Schneider live, man. <laughs> actually did see him He's actually a genuinely funny guy, but his films,
0: Oh yeah, yeah they're bad. bad. But, but, like, that movie, like, I, I can't think of a single kid like I didn't see the movie in theaters, but I would see like a lot of movie reviewers who would talk about it, saying like not a single kid in the, the theater enjoyed it. Like you know you failed when you you can't even entertain your target audience, which is really sad. And you know there's 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 probably like really good movies that that kids don't don't like. Of course, that's intended for them. But when your intended audience doesn't even enjoy it, I think that's kind of sad. And it's funny that that we even mentioned Frozen 2 because because there's like a whole. Documentary series on Disney Plus about the the, the making of it, yep. and oof, the the it does explain a I, lot. And honestly, as the oh, old yeah. saying, you know, they were, they were not
1: confident. They were not confident in their film at all. They they felt as though like what like the success of the first film, which regardless of my thoughts on it, it's, it's it was a massive success, and clearly they were treading on eggshells the entire time, second guessing themselves and. Um, yeah, I could see why the film didn't work. I mean, look, to bring some positivity to us. He Frozen 2 had a lot to like about it, genuinely. But what was to like about it? Everything to do with Elsa. Everyone else, all the other characters, there was absolutely no need for it. The whole film could have, should have been just about Elsa, going on her own journey to discover herself. Maybe even for, you know, meet some other beings or something <laughs> that are of different powers or something. But focus on her, you know, because it felt like everyone's journey was done in the first film, but that had, had to be shoehorned in the second one to, you know, obviously merchandising. Yeah. But it was Elsa's story that, ne- that that needed more more to it. There was a reason for it. And so and her songs were fantastic. But the other songs, especially what I'm calling the worst Disney song of all time, is that um, what that that 80s pop song.
0: Listen, I will take that song and and share you a uh, bear slaps from bongo in fun and fancy free that song is the worst thing ever
1: i actually i would rather watch bongo again than, than that <laughs> i'm sorry but so, so, there you go, so there you go ladies and gentlemen we have a disagreement okay yeah now get the stuff
0: <laughs> so the thing about for F- frozen 2 and, and this is something that luke and i and, and, and other people have argued about I feel like ever since Disney has – because, you know, funny uh, enough, when when Disney – like, before the corporate conglomerates bought out Disney, most of of their films – like, let's say Walt Disney were to release Sleepy Beeping Beauty in in one year, but then they missed the the deadline. He wouldn't care. He would just, like, delay the release date. And even, like, other Disney movies, like, after he died, like, you know – the rescuers or fox and the hound or black cauldron like whatever you know we'll just re- release some whenever we feel like it then as soon as the conglomerate spotted them out they were all like no you you have to to meet these specific d- deadlines if we did decide to change a release date it'll be for very specific reasons but otherwise you have to to meet these d- d- deadlines so on and so forth and that that's a blessing and a curse because on one hand it, it does keep a, everyone's creative juices up but at the same time like as as um i i think pete, pete pete doctor once said this that the films at pixar never get finished they just get released and so you have to, to meet these really tight schedules just to, to get a film out on a specific way and that's really unfortunate because like let's say a film has some really bad story problems or like there's some really confusing characters so on and so forth just because oh we didn't have time to polish everything like the fact that they did that—they made Beauty and the Beast in two years—is a fucking miracle. So, it's really unfortunate when the Disney Studio or any animation studio, any art artist would have to, to be under a time clock. It's kind of unfair.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I, I definitely agree with that. And yeah, um, sometimes it's just a miracle of things that get even completed the way the way that they are yeah. um but I'll, I'll post one theory to you but tell me if what what you think yeah this this, this might uh, make you sort of go hmm but have you noticed that some of the greatest pieces of animation and i'm talking from termite Terrace, and i'm talking disney renaissance um where they were all moved from the, the make the original walt animation building over to these i think units or yeah, whatever the, it was. These, and um, also
0: these these Crummy shacks like the Disney Studio, like the animators were just moved off to for, for, from the glorious Disney building to a fucking warehouse when they were making the Little Mermaid.
1: Exactly right, and, and and even earlier days of Disney when they worked at the Hyperion Studio, which was you know, which was a lot more rundown. I've noticed that, um, and and even um, the Fleischer Studio before they moved to Miami, which I don't think was the greatest, like no. in terms of like it was definitely run down. Okay, but have you noticed? One thing in common with all those areas was that it was, they were all run-down, crappy places to work at, but they produced some of the greatest pieces of animation of all time, but then as soon as they all went to different buildings, like proper buildings designed for the animators, the work ended up dipping. I mean, Warners, maybe not as much as first, but as soon as they moved, things started going downhill.
0: I do agree for the most part, because I think in many ways, p- people t- t- tend to realize, okay, we're hitting rock bottom, we really got to do our, our best. And then once they're in luxury, it's like, oh, you know, we've peaked, we made the, the Lion King, whatever. Oh, we made the, the Looney Tunes, whatever. We can, like, move on to, to, to other things. I, I mean, of course, there's there's some exceptions, like Hanna-Barbera, when they were... You know, first starting off, they were a lot smaller. And, and then when, when, when they expanded and made more stuff, it just got worse and worse. But then, and this is when Hanna-Barbera was, like, still a huge enterprise, but I, I guess not quite a, as big as when they were, like, you know, the 80s or 70s. When they got, you know, the new talent, like, you know, Craig McCracken, Van Parvel, Gandy Tarkovsky, so on and so forth, they, they just made, you know, great... Cartoon Network shows like *The Dexter's Lab* and *The Powerpuff Girls*, but I do definitely agree with you in in some sense that in many ways, when you put these talented t- to people in weak areas, they can make good stuff. Like you know, and I I know you you said you know the, the *Iron Giant's by no means a film you love, but when when they were were making that film, they were making it in a different section than the real Warner Brothers Animation Studio. Like the, the studio was more confident in *Quest for, for, for Camelot*, but that was being done at, like, the main... Oh, stu- film. <laughs> yeah. That that was being done at, like, the main studio, whereas Iron Giant w- w- was done at, like, a-, a more, for lack of a better word, run-down and kind of crappy version of the studio, and they kind of had to, like, rebuild it from the-, the ground up, and yet they ended up making this wonderful, like, almost masterpiece of a, a film, in, in my uh, opinion. So I do... Yeah. I do actually uh, agree in-, in some way that... And, again, this is very sub-subjective, but... The smaller and more run-down your area is, the more your creative juices come out.
1: Even even Pixar's probably another one I just thought of now. Like, they made Toy Story and all those films before they... Um, look, granted, yes, they made some masterpieces as well in the new building, the one that they're currently in now. But look where Toy Story was made. Yeah. Like that, That's another example
0: it was made so, it was made, uh, like oh, patterns, yeah.
1: so 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 to any executives listening if you want to open up an animation studio if you want the best work give your workers the worst possible building to
0: work in <laughs> so hey hold on there's some animators <laughs> listening okay
1: i i kid of course but it is, it's just an interesting little pattern i noticed at least so,
0: yeah. yeah i mean another example is when don bluth Made the secret of Nim with his skeleton crew compared to the, the the later films he made at his like major studio that you know really went down to downhill. Like secret of, of Nim was just one movie made by like a small group of, of people, and look how how good that t- t- turned out, you know.
1: Mm. Exactly. So you know, it's like, it's was just a little theory. Look, if people disagree with me, that's fine. But it's just it, it is a pattern that I definitely um, just took t- 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 took notice of.
0: For sure. And so with that, we'll wrap this up with just one more question. And this is a big one. So
1: Anthony... Yes, I'm wearing pants.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it's Porky. Um, (laughs) But with that said, Anthony, following 2021, and whether these are plans you've made or unforeseen events, where do you see the next year, aka this year, heading after the disastrous yet very introspective year of 2020?
1: Well, things would be interesting. Are you talking about, like, just with me personally or just the world?
0: Like uh, most itself? Mostly you. The world can take care of itself for sure, but, like, mainly what you plan on doing.
1: Well, uh, I'm hoping to build this channel. I mean, it's... Because I've got a, right now 1,130 subscribers, which I only just started in April. And, and for me, I didn't expect to grow so much in a relatively short period of time I mean I was was definitely surprised I mean granted the growth didn't quite happen until after Delft did the Porkies and all that sort of stuff but hopefully um, with me almost up to a wild hair um, which is the first proper Bugs Bunny that's going to pretty much be in the second week of 2021 so that's going to kick off the year in pretty high gear that's like I finally am going to talk about uh, Warner Brothers' most famous cartoon mascot and, char- and character. So I'm hoping that the channel will grow, and I'll make more friends, um, have more collaborators. You know, I'm, I'm I'm enjoying being able to commentate with other people, springboarding things off other people. You know, and of course, I hope my shop still goes well because that, that, that's how I make my living. And you know, for and for those who I, I I don't like being the kind of person that, of course, brags because this year was successful for me, but for a lot of people, this is. The worst absolute worst year you know not just for medical reasons you know people have literally well died you know um that people lost their jobs their livelihood and you know so i'm hoping 2021 look yeah sure i want my channel to grow and i'm happy and all that stuff but i just hope also for everyone else that 2021 is the year where it's like you know what 2020 was horrible it was awful let's get this vaccine sorted let's restart and go from there
0: yeah i think at this point 2021 almost has no choice but to automatically well i'm not going to say automatically but just to be better than 2020 by at the very least a landslide
1: oh you know even if 2021 is a little bit better it'll still
0: be way better than this year even if it's a little bit better Oh yeah. At the the very least, America has Cheeto Man out.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but sadly, and n- not to put, put negativity, you still have those people still in society that yeah. um. Yep. Well, uh, uh, unless something is done to um stop st- their stu- solve that problem, stop their
0: stupidity, basically. Yeah.
1: You know, one way to do it is to force maybe uh, Fox News to <laughs> be um, classified as a, a, as an opinion station on news network, which I think it currently is, but, you know, but the problem is people take opinions as facts, so look, yep. I think what's, what's, what's ruined a lot of the U.S. is pretty much Fox News single-handedly. But You're
0: not wrong. But you are not wrong. I'm not going to.
1: <laughs> um, that, that's just my observations as an Aussie, and there's probably going to be people listening to this but disagreeing with me. Fine, whatever. I'm just, an, I'm just an observer. I do wish people in the U.S. all the best, though, because I do think a lot of people in the U.S. are genuinely great people. They're just stuck in um, just a really awful situation where too few people are pulling the strings. Yep. That's just my opinion.
0: Pinocchio needs his strings, folks.
1: That's right. One of my favorite anime films of all time, by the way.
0: You, I love Pinocchio. Are you looking yeah. forward to the stop motion adaptation of the the book by Guillermo del Toro?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a look. I mean, Pinocchio. Look, you can make adaptations of the book. It's not like a Disney remake. No. I, I think that's an exception. Like Jungle Book is a remake of like Jungle Book came from the book, so that's fair enough. But yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh we'll see
0: there's a lot we'll of see. adaptations out there <laughs> so with that said and done that should wrap up this interview of sketchcast as well as the first interview of the year let's hope that this woo! year ee, woo, let's hope this year has a lot of fun stuff to offer but until then i think i'm gonna pass out anthony I, this i have drinking a little too much uh, apple juice <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah you'll be all right mate <laughs> all hope so you'll be all right all hype.
0: <laughs> that was the worst Australian accent ever. <laughs> You've been
1: practicing your Aussie accent,
0: mate. Oh, I don't know, but it, it, it's, it's going to be better than the Liverpool accent.
1: <laughs> You're watching too much Yellow Submarine, which is another one of my favorite films of all that, time. But that, we went to rail
0: this yeah. <laughs> Watch Yellow Submarine and Wolfwalkers and Roger Rabbit and any other great movie, but until next time, Happy New Year, folks. Take good care. Happy New Year, everyone.